You're listening to the Just Giants podcast with Grump and the Cranky Fan. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes and SoundCloud today. This is picked off, Landon Collins, and another interception for number 21. Welcome to Season 2 of Just Giants with Grump and the Cranky Fan, the best damn podcast for the best damn football team. I'm your host, the football grump, and with me as always is Mike, the Cranky Fan. Good evening, Grump. How goes it on this nice wintry evening in the New York area? It's uh, almost April, I think. <laughs> we shouldn't be talking about snow in the NFL draft in the same sentence. No, but alas, we are. Um, this is a continuation of our position review of free agents, the draft, and the state of the roster. And on deck today, wide receivers and cornerbacks. Ah, very interesting. A lot of uh, – two of the categories that had a lot of controversy in the last year. You know, not necessarily what we saw on the field, but, you know, the off-the-field shenanigans of both sides. So this will be an interesting topic to see what direction we go short-term and long-term. Yeah. Be sure to listen to all our episodes on iTunes and SoundCloud for all the other position reviews and all other breaking news, etc., etc. Just Giants. Um Easy to find. Um, so these two position groups, I would say going into last year and the year before, but more so last year, were probably the two strengths of the team, right? I would think so. After we signed Brandon Marshall, I think that was kind of, you know, it felt like it was the missing piece we yeah. needed to this receiving core. We had a, a definite gap in playmakers, you know, around the goal line. And... Brandon Marshall on paper was that guy who would, you know, fit that bill. But unfortunately, anything the Giants touch turns into an injury, and he, you know, before this the leaves started turning, he was done. Yeah, he wasn't the only one too. Obviously, Beckham injured in the preseason and then came back. I think game three, and was on fire in week four, and then lights out. <laughs> lights out of course so you know not without his share of you know little controversies all that if it wasn't odell beckham jr you you wouldn't care about but you know of course it being odell it just led into you know everything he touches becomes an espn story so you know tom brady does the same shenanigans on his sideline and no one cares but that's just somebody who plays with fire and grit but beckham you know just kind of it becomes a mountain out of a molehill, although he does a good job of cultivating his molehills. Yeah, he he's made that bed. So, mm-hmm. um, well, looking at the roster, um, projected starters are probably still the same as last year, at least at this point. You know, Beckham and Marshall on the outside with Shepard in the slot. Um, as of right now, Marshall is still a giant. He's a suspected cap cut, but um, yeah, so far still a giant. He might still be here. I'm not exactly sure what options he has available to him if he does get cut by the Giants either. I mean, it's not like he's 23 anymore. Yeah. Also still on the roster, uh, Dwayne Harris, suspected uh, cap casualty as well. Um, Another guy who got injured last year very early on. I think the same game, right? All three of them went down in the Chargers I believe so, yeah. It was was ridiculous. Everybody just got hurt. Yeah. 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 Um, and Harris may still be gone now as the Giants signed uh, Corey Latimer from Denver. 
So a lot cheaper, a lot cheaper version of the same player, kind of for what this, for what they need of him. Yeah, well, I'm I'm not sure that Latimer has the same speed as Dwayne Harris, but understood is a four team special teams player who can play wide receiver. Um, as a backup, he'd be totally fine. So yeah, there, there's a good chance that Harris can get cut now. Um, still on the roster though, and Roger Lewis still sticking around, done a good job. <laughs> Another one of those cockroaches that just seems to hang around after, you know, maybe underwhelming performance, maybe off the field issues, but, you know, there he still is. So, I mean, but those guys are cheap, though. You know, they're going to get more opportunities and more chances to make a roster because they're just so cheap. Yeah, I mean, he had he had like a fourth round grade coming out of college, but he had an off the field issue that forced him to go out of the draft. So he was one of those smart undrafted free agent signings where you had nothing to lose by getting him and everything right. to gain. And so right. far he's been he's been okay. Um just okay. He's definitely not starter quality but can do some things if he comes into the game. Yeah, I mean let's be very blunt what his role on this team is to be a fourth rod receiver in someone who comes in when you know two to three other guys are hurt. Yeah. And and also a quality special teams player. Yeah. Um and then, you know, I guess you could count Travis Rudolph as being somebody potentially in the picture. It's hard to say. Yeah. I mean, I think my personal feeling is, you know, we're going to go into another season of talking about guys like Roger Lewis and, and, and Rudolph and stuff. And it's just like, I think we spend, I mean, we, not necessarily me and you, but just everybody spends an inordinate amount of time in the preseason discussing who the fourth and fifth wide receivers are. And at the end of the day, their impact on a team is very minimal. So Hopefully. it's it's a, it's, yeah. it's an interesting yeah. But if you're going down to discussing them for any real impact, your season's probably screwed anyway. But it's interesting how that always seems every year to be one of the big you know the fullback battle or the Roger Lewis battle for the last wide receiver spot, and we seem to pay more attention to it than you know. And part of that is because the Giants' their philosophy the last couple of years was to not really play the starters as much as probably other teams do in the preseason, and that might be some of the reasons why we have. Shaky starts. So it'll be interesting what Shermer wants to do going forward. Yeah, maybe. I don't know if I ever want to see Beckham play a preseason game again, though. Uh, I would like to see a couple of reps. I think, you know, you could say something like Eli may not have been as sharp in connecting with his receivers because they hardly played at all. No, I, I agree with you. Together. But it was it was a pretty pretty stark reminder why you don't do stuff like that. I don't That's know. true, but it, but the injury that he was out for the whole year was in the regular season, not the preseason true. too. I mean, injuries do happen, and you ha- you can't you can't play and you can't coach and you can't you know game plan being scared. I mean, no, I don't want him in the game in the fourth quarter of a thirty to three game in week two. But you know, I think if you're playing this the first unit for X amount of snaps, he needs to be out there with that first unit. Yeah, I can agree with that. Um, so is there, what, what is missing from this wide receiver group as far as you're concerned? Uh, what's missing is the Brandon Marshall role. <laughs> to be very honest. I mean, some of the many problems we had was when he went down, we went back to the same problem of not having that guy who can go up and, you know, out high point anybody else to catch a ball, you know, a big body, a guy who can block along the line, the, you know, run on the goal line as well, like a receiver blocker. So I think that's the biggest issue we have right now. And, you know, this may seem a little ticky tacky, but 
Beckham playing 16 games. Mm. Your superstar needs to play every game. He needs to be healthy all the time, or as much as he can. He's, you know, this is what going to be his fifth year in the league now. I think so, yeah. And I don't think he's played 16 games once. Now, I granted one year there was a suspension, but he's nah, had little... two years ago. I think he played every game. Did he? Did he? Pretty sure. Possibly, but he needs to be healthy. Yeah. No. Yeah. And. I don't know. I mean, this is one of the questions I think that we heard later on in the season last year and beginning of the offseason. It's kind of died down now is, is he going to get, when is he going to get his extension? And I, I think it's safe to say he's not getting it this year. Would you agree? Probably. Yeah. You know, the, the, the uh, cap is being manipulated right now so that they can overhaul this roster. Um, I think, they want to figure it out, but it's just not the time for the team to have any sort of financial plans for the future yet. They're still trying to figure out the present. I agree. And I think a lot of that was tied to if Eli was going to come back or not. Because, yeah. you know, that was a real debate point as we're getting into December. I mean, people were cheering Eli when he came on the field in weeks, you know, 15, 16, like that was the end of Eli in New York. And, you know, that had a, a cap implication if he was gone but he's back and he's they're going to pay the full amount for him and that's a big cap hit so that money to spend you know one of the probably three biggest contracts in the league that availability is not there right now so is there a free agent solution for the brandon marshall role or are you cool with rolling with brandon marshall i'm fine with rolling with him he's already under contract um you know if he gets hurt again i mean that's kind of the situation where anybody could get hurt i can't he hasn't been an injury-prone player throughout his career. Is that correct? That's pretty correct, yeah. Yeah, so I mean I, I think you roll with him. He's already on the roster, and you see what happens. If he's a I – mean, I don't think he's become a, just a complete disaster of a receiver. You know, no. The question is going to be can he stays healthy. So I would say, yeah. Are you really going to improve on Brandon Marshall's skill set right now at the same price point? No, I don't th- – I mean – no, the, the top guys I have in the free agent market are Terrell Pryor, who you know converted quarterback, um, showed some real promise, but he's going to command a lot more money than that, and I'm not sure he's the personality we want on the team. You no. know, Eric Decker is not really the Brandon Marshall type role at all, mm-hmm. and Jordan Matthews, who's been underwhelming. I mean, that's even a reach to put him up there. I agree. So you don't even have that guy out there, and if you want to draft for that guy. You know, you want to throw him right into the mix immediately for something like that. I, I don't, I don't think you're going to get some guy in the the fourth round or so. For example, I think there's higher needs draft wise than the Brandon Marshall role as receiver. I mean, you have Odell Beckham, and you've invested in a first round pick in a almost a hybridy tight end wide receiver. So I I don't think they're going to draft super high for a wide receiver who would fulfill that need. So I, I think your role with Brandon Marshall. Yeah, I agree with you. Um, I, I, you know, with Brandon Marshall this being his last year under contract, I don't really see him being brought back next year. Um, well, next year's that's an eternity from now. Who yeah. knows? No, no, no. I know, but yeah. when yeah. when you're planning through the draft, I agree with you. You're not going to draft super, super high to compete with or replace the Brandon Marshall role, or even groom the Brandon Marshall role for the year after. But in the mid rounds, sure, I think it's totally valid because, you know, I, it's helpful to have Evan Ingram's height in there 
for sure. Um, you know, Rhett Ellison also, although he's not much of a jumper. Um, and the route running of Beckham and Shepard, sure. But having, you know, that last guy also – just being able to have everybody in man coverage and all be a legitimate red zone threat is 99% of what makes it effective. I mean that's been one of the biggest knocks I, I personally have on Eli Manning in this offense for the last several years is just the inability to you know scratch out a third and one in red zone offense. You know, mm. part of it was predictability with the old Gilbride regime. Uh, last year you can write off for you know a million reasons why, but the red zone offense in this team is not very good and has not been very good for quite a while. Yeah. Multiple coaches and multiple multiple offensive coordinators and multiple receivers there was that brief time with Hakeem Nix was at the top of his game was pretty good in the red zone and before him Plaxico Burris Plaxico Burris but now we're talking we're going back to ancient history a decade ago yeah yeah I'm with you so so when I look at this draft the top guys on the board you know you can almost write them off but Calvin Ridley from Alabama you know, not super tall, but has good ups and really reaches mm-hmm. out for the ball. Could be a red zone threat. Um, you know, Court and Sutton from uh, Southern Methodist. It's six four. Has good red zone height. You know, still gonna go too high. Equinemius St. Brown from Notre Dame is an interesting one because um, he's six five and he came. You know, there's no quarterback in Notre Dame. Just period, end of story. So his production wasn't super high, so he might actually tumble a little bit in the draft. Um, it depends on how far he falls, but he could totally be the guy. Um, you know, LSU's DJ Chark, Indiana's Semi Cobbs. I'm not real high on them. I'll tell you one guy that's going to be out there, and I've watched him for, you know, two years, but I know his off-field problems, and I would not want to touch him, is Florida's Antonio Callaway. Yeah, the guys. The guy's got speed. He's got hands. He's a playmaker. But my God, he's found every possible way to get in trouble over the last three years. And you know, from smoking the blunt to shooting off BB guns to this credit card card fraud issue last year, he's going to be out there. And someone, I mean, he's got Cincinnati Bengals written all over him. Yeah. Um, someone's going to take a chance on him and. There's a chance he may have straightened himself out, and you have yourself a quality receiver on the cheap. But I am not ready to make that, uh, you know, that plunge and take that risk. Is is he not going to prison? No, he they struck a deal with um, Latchaw County, um, so the case will be expunged from his record. <laughs> I know so that sounds of like Florida the, for you. My point is, I don't think they will fall for that trap of the siren of oh. Too good to pass up. Yeah, no, 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 no. Um, but there is one guy that I really do like, and I think he tumbles. Uh, Oklahoma State's wide receiver, Marcel Aitman. He's 6'4". He has great height. He's great in the red zone. Um, and I, you know, one of the things I look for when I watch guys is not necessarily their height. It's whether they go up and go for the ball. Too often I see guys like Equinemius St. Brown or whoever – just kind of let the ball come to their chest, let it come to them. You know, there was sort of Ramsey's Barden's problem. He had all the height, but he never went up and got it. He just let. He it caught happen. the ball. He caught the ball in his chest. He'd have his hand. You'd always see his elbows like Down. attached to his body. Yeah, and he tried to catch the ball with just forearms. And that's why guys like, you know, Hakeem Nix was only something like six two, 
but he never he felt like he was like six four because of the way he went up and got it. Same thing with Beckham; he's only six feet. He's my height. These guys play taller. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's it all comes, you know, whether or not they want it. You know, you know that when the ball's up in the air, Beckham wants to be the only one coming down with it. Period. End of story. So, I mean, I see a lot of that with Marcel Aitman. He's a pretty good route runner. He's got great hams, but it's all in the way he jumps up for the ball and goes to get it. So if you have a chance to check out film of Marcel Aitman, I would recommend it. I think he's somebody who falls to like the fourth, fifth round. Absolutely Mm -hmm. worth the draft pick. Yeah, I think the bottom line is with receivers. I think if we have to roll with what we have right now, I think we feel pretty comfortable with it. Right, Um, yeah, for this season, for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think... Rome wasn't built in a day. I think there's bigger positions and bigger units that we have to address right now than maybe, you know, we might take a flyer on receiver for right now and then address it higher up next year. And and also, again, all these things are predicated on what we do with that number two pick. You know, if we all of a sudden, if we unloaded for a boatload of lower round picks, you might see us take a shot with a receiver. But we're kind of assuming right now, you know, we have what we have. Yeah. Yeah. Um, You know, all of this is sort of tied up in the what is what isn't a catch, which is being reviewed this year. And the competition committee came out with recommendations for the catch rule. Um, and they, they just kind of broke it down to three simple steps. You know, control the ball two feet down or another body part, which we know is like everything except a hand. Um, and uh, a football move, such as a third step or reaching, extending for the line to gain. Um you know the ability to to perform such an act. Uh, essentially, what they've done is they've gotten rid of the maintain control through the process of falling kind of thing. So you need to do all three of those things. So that seems simpler. It does. How how will they fuck that up? <laughs> I understand why they took the the part out that they did, which is the maintain control process, and it's because we've seen extreme examples of why that's not needed. Right. Um. With Des Bryant, with Calvin Johnson is most notable because, I mean, he goes down, he puts the ball down to brace himself, and he starts walking and just leaves it there, and it's not a catch suddenly. Like, we've seen Mm. these extreme examples, but the reason that was put in there makes sense. Uh, You know, people just sort of, like, hit the ground and let go of the ball. Did he really have control? And that's really the question is control. Mm -hmm. Um, So we want to take as much as a subjective part of it away from the rule basically what we're doing yeah so i mean whether or not this creates more confusion or eliminates the confusion is really going to be what we see in the coming year um i won't be surprised if it adds a little bit of confusion as we watch some of these things where they kind of let go of the ball as they're falling you know now it's a catch maybe um we'll see what the fan reaction is do you really did you ever think it would take this long to get kind of sorted out i mean this seems like We've been on like year 10 now of refining what this rule is. And it's one of the three basic principles of football. <laughs> four yeah. of the four, run, throw, catch, and kick. Yeah. I mean, no, no, no. I understand. And I, I honestly wasn't sure it was ever going to change. And the reason why is because I thought a lot of the who knows what it catches anymore that you see on Twitter every time. Oh my god, it was so overblown people's reactions to it. Whenever whenever there was a replay on whether or not it was a catch, if you went through Twitter and scrolled through, you'd see about 8 or 9 different people say who knows what a catch is anymore anyway. And like sometimes it was not applicable. It was very obviously a catch. Like 
Well, Twitter is not exactly the bastion of originality either. Um, so. It's not the bastion of originality, but I think it's a decent cross-section of football fans when you look at it. Yeah. yeah. Um, and so I thought a lot of it was hyperbolic because I would say each year since we sort of ran into this problem, there was maybe two plays a year possibly that were egregious in the whole league. I didn't the really problem, think it, the problem was the timing of those two plays yes. usually were like this is a Monday night game where yeah. you know everybody's watching everybody gambled on it or, it was a or in a playoff game. game. Yeah. Proving it's not a catch as opposed to proving it is a catch. It's almost like proving innocence. Yeah. You know, you know when you're in you know the judicial system it's like you have to prove I'm I'm guilty. This is almost like kind of the way the rules have been they're trying to get away from it. It's like you have to prove to me that you caught it as opposed to Prove to me you didn't catch it. And I think the if they kind of go with the mentality of, you know, prove you didn't catch it, I think you're going to see more catches. I think you're going to make the, see the game a little more exciting too. It's not to say that, you know, you know an obvious non-catch is an obvious non-catch, but the benefit of the doubt I think should go to the offense and just make it more of an interesting game. Well, that said, the other the other side of the corn is – as the other side of the corn. Yeah. The let's, corn, fl- let's flip that corn over. Um, the other side <laughs> of the corn uh, – as we get into this cornerback discussion, um, they want the, the, the proposal that I've seen is they want to change defensive pass interference to simply a 15 yard penalty instead of a spot foul. Garbage. Yes. Um, there are two things that I've been banging the drum for for years for the college and the NFL. In the NFL, I want to have overtime where each team gets a possession. So if you score, you know, you drive down the field and you score a touchdown game over, I th- I've always thought that was bullshit. I've always thought the other team should get a kickoff and get another shot at it. And I've always said in college, I want to go to the pro rules of pass interference because to me, if you're a corner, it gets burnt and you're 50 yards downfield, just drag that son of a bitch to the ground. It's a 15-yard penalty. Who cares? Unfortunately, the NFL is going to that rule. And I, I, to me, it's just a uh, – it's just such an equalizer for defense. It's almost using a defensive play. Like if I get burnt, I'd rather just yank the guy down and take the 15 and worry about the big play. I don't want to hear anybody ever complain about injuries and then let this rule fly. You can't in the same breath be concerned about player safety and then also implement this rule because that's exactly the kind of behavior that you're encouraging is to just tackle a guy who's a not looking because he's trying to catch the ball and B is not even a player. He's not even. He doesn't That's have not a football the ball yet. Play. Yeah, it's not. Yeah. And, and we were just discussing. We we're just discussing what a catch is to make like a football move. Just knocking some guy down or interfering. That's not a football move. Yeah. That's it. It goes. This is the spirit of the game. Yeah. I'm. I'm so against this. I can't even put words in it. I, again, I understand where the reasoning comes from. Is that you know a ticky tack. Well, the, a ticky tack pass interference call can net 60 plus yards um and it becomes a backbreaker and i well, get that but the only thing i would acquiesce a little bit for is come up with some sort of pass interference one pass interference two where if it's a little ticky tack one and it's all the way down the down the field that's 15 yards if it's legitimate a legitimate pass interference spot of the foul I mean, yeah. we have we have varying degrees of penalties, like in basketball, with a flagrant one and a flagrant two foul. 
why can't you do that? Because you're, you're, you're assuming that all past interferences are equal. And the, the incidental contact, which is highly debatable, is 50 yards. It's kind of unfair. But if I know I got beat and I just clobber the guy, that's even more unfair to the receiver that obviously beat the, the corner. Yeah, it's possible. I know the NFL tried that rule with a face mask penalty, you know, was that like 25 years ago, maybe? The five yard. And also, what about running into versus roughing the, the, uh, the yeah, kicker? You're right. You're right. Um, I think I, you're going to hear a lot of shit from people when this goes down. Oh, it's terrible. People it's com- such a people bad are going to complain. So, yeah. I think you might at some point see the, uh, you know, the hybrid. What's sad is that we have such an obvious working example of it being a problem in college. Mm-hmm. It, it it stands no benefit really. Um, and think about it, this too: the discrepancy between good receivers and good corners is so much greater in college than it is in the pros. Mm-hmm. You know, so I don't know. We'll, we'll we'll see how this one goes, and I don't think. This will be the end of it if the rule does change. Well, on the topic of corners, this is was going into last year a strength of this team. I mean, we had Janoris Jenkins, who's a lockdown corner on one side. Dominic Rogers Camardi was at the top of his game that I've seen in several years. Eli Apple performed far better than we expected in his rookie year, and we were waiting for his second year. Not so much anymore. Um, Janoris Jenkins on one side, Eli Apple question mark on the other. If he even we don't know. Um, I think he's going to be on the roster. I think the time well, you can't not have him on the roster, but whether or not he's the starter is interesting. Well, who's going to? Do you think they're going to draft a rookie and replace him, or are you looking at uh, who you're looking at to replace him? Well, I mean, of the backups, probably nobody. I mean, you have Dante Dion. He's just short. Is his problem? Yeah. I mean, like criminally yeah. short. He's like five nine. Um, he's not a starter. Yeah. Um, BD Webb, they just signed. Curtis Riley, they just signed. These guys are depth and special teams only. These but guys in- aren't starters. Yeah. Free agent guys, what about Darquez Denard? You know, first round potential a couple years ago. Um, why not Ross Cockrell? Played great last year. Uh, great. I mean, he did admirable. I don't know if I'd go with the word great. Okay. I don't think he's a. Yeah, I mean. He would take a position of uncertainty to a position of average, above average. I I think if they're going to make the decision that they want, you know, either. Well, here's the thing with Apple. It's not a question of him on the field. I mean, I think Uh, a little bit of question. He took a little bit of a step back last year, but he wasn't he wasn't gashed. He wasn't Elvis Patterson back there. So I I think the question is going to be if you're bringing in someone like a free agent. It's to replace him, and you're getting rid of him. I think that I think they still see enough of him that they're going to make one more go at it with him. Maybe. Is there a chance that Dominic Rogers Camardi comes back? It's possible. I mean, you know, he didn't get cut because. Well, I guess if he didn't take the pay cut, that's what he wants to get paid. I don't think on the open market he'll get what he was getting with the Giants. If the ball's in his court, I don't know how thrilled he would be to come back. No, it's pretty. Ins- it's a- Remember, being a professional athlete is all about ego and how much you make and the res- quote unquote respect you get is just as important as playing time and winning championships. And to be asked for a pay cut and then to be cut because of not taking said pay cut, that is a disrespect to these guys. Yeah, I understand. 
I mean, I didn't I didn't have it in the highly likely category anyway, but you know, I'm just saying if if he's still sitting there looking for a job mm-hmm. come around May or June, I don't think reaching out is a problem. Oh no. No, no, no. I mean, we don't okay, we weren't in the room. We don't know how it was handled. We don't know anything. True. So Well, that said, would you call this now a question of certainty on this cornerback depth i mean janoris jenkins coming off injury eli apple we're not sure where he stands in the locker room with the rest of his guys yeah i think individually as a unit and collectively as a you know back eight i'm concerned (laughs) you know if i you know we have landon collins as safety but the other one is a question mark Mm -hmm. linebackers are a question mark you know moving to a three four is a question mark so you know all of that collectively adds to my concern about the cornerback position in addition to what we have out there right now. I think, you know, this is the put up or shut up year for Eli Apple. And if he makes the commitment to play football and be a New York giant, not being a, a prima donna baby, and he shows his potential, I think we'll be just fine. Cockrell could be your corner or your, um, your nickel and, you know, spell these guys occasionally. I think we'll be fine. If Eli Apple, continues to be a dick and no one likes him and he causes trouble and he's his play slips a little further we have some big problems yeah and personally i think this is a position that you can't ignore in the draft this year uh just end of story I agree. um and when i look at it there's some guys again you know contingent on us picking it too there's some guys that are just simply out of reach um but if we're moving down they should be in discussion so they should be scattered anyway um, you know Denzel Ward from Ohio State, not as tall as I'd like him to be at five ten, but shut down corner. He's so good in tight man coverage, and he patrols zones well. Um, my only big question mark, other than his height, is his um, tackling. You know, he's just sort of one of those guys who runs full speed into somebody without wrapping up. That shit's got to <laughs> get cleaned up at this level. Yeah. Um, I was Josh Jackson is a really popular name because he had a lights out year this year. There was one game against Ohio State. He had three interceptions. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the next game against Wisconsin, I think he had two and one of them was a pick six. He's like an interception machine. My mm-hmm. only question with him is that is he a one year wonder? Did he just have a great year? Um, You know, there's not a, he played mostly in zone coverage, so I don't really know how great he's going to be in man-to-man coverage, etc. Um, why don't you tell me about Duke Dawson? I like Duke Dawson. Duke Dawson is a – he's a leader. He was a leader of the Gator secondary. Um, I don't know – what is he slotted to be, like what round? Because I don't see him as a first-round pick. No, no, no. I would say probably a third round to yeah, two, he's, early day three. He's definitely a guy that – you know, you could see the growth in him from when he was a, a freshman through, you know, his time in Florida. He, I believe he had a super fast uh, 40 time at the combine and people were like, holy shit, we didn't think he was that fast. So I think that helped his stock also. Um, you know, he played both sides of, the, uh, you know, both sides of the field, He's, you know, solid tackler, good cover guy. I mean, we, there's a lot of talent at Florida with um, all the corners that we have you know running through there so he, he fit right in as a piece of dbu so i i'd love to have him for sure 
Yeah, he ran a four four forty, which is not the fastest among corners, but it is pretty damn fast. I mean, faster than we expected from him. I thought he was more like a four five four six type of guy, and he ran a four four. So, yeah. yeah, I mean, I I like Duke Dawson. I mean, Florida's defense had a rough year last year, but um, and also a defense that was always on the field because of zero offense. Yeah, but I mean, even coming out of Florida, he's no Tabor, he's no Hargraves, no. but no, no, he's um, not. But what I do think he is is that you know at five ten and um, his versatility, his uh, ability to play and press man off man and zone, his ball skills and his tackling ability, I think he's a great slot corner. I think he's a guy that you can get and just immediately throw him in the slot, and you know maybe he can jump outside because he has that versatility, or you know he can disguise as playing the slot and then sort of I don't know move it outside. I, I like him. Um, I think he's an upgrade over like Ross Cockrell. Oh, for sure, yeah. Maybe right, maybe right. not right away because the, the game speed is going to change for him. Um, the other guys that I really, really like, well, really, really like, but LSU is Dante Jackson. Um, my, my big knock on him is that he's a little bit of a gambler, but he is so fast. He's so fast, um, and it allows him to make up for any mistakes that he makes. So he has that leeway. Um, for the record, he ran a four three two. Yeah, that could be that could be coached out too. The, the bit of a gambler thing, you can't coach four three two. Yeah, but you can you can coach technique and you can and also as you get smarter and wiser and as you play, mm-hmm. you know, so that's not as much of a concern for me. Yeah, but his ability to cover that deep threat is unparalleled. Like you said, you can't coach four three. You can't just you can't just coach up a guy to cover somebody like Deshaun Jackson. You just you have to have mm-hmm. the speed, um, and you know with that speed, I like the way that he runs into in run support and for blitzes. He just he's in there so fast, guys can't really get their hands on him. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think he has really good ball skills. So, but I really like Dante Jackson at LSU, and I'm not really sure where he's going to fall in this draft because the draft is so weird this year. Mm-hmm. But you know, it may be that he's a top of the third round where we're picking. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, and there's some other guy, and the only reason I have him on here really is because he's a fantastic punt and kick returner. It's Darius Phillips from Western Michigan. Um, he's he's a solid corner with good instincts, and he's got really good speed. Uh, he can get a little bit handsy in coverage. Again, you can coach that out of him. Uh, he's got good ball skills. He's a, he's a solid tackler. But what I like about him a lot is uh, he's a punt and kick returner, and he's a damn good one at that. I mean, again, he's playing for Western Michigan, but um, I they, they played somebody ridiculous as like one of those beat 'em up games at the beginning of the year, like Ohio State or Michigan or something. And mm-hmm. I think he took the opening kickoff to the house, or something like you that. Know, skill is skill too, yeah. you know. You you know you may not be facing the absolute best of the best, but you still have to have those moves to yeah. make people miss as badly and and do things. So. Yeah, so another guy, this is a more late-round guy who can play, you know, maybe you throw him in at corner, but he's definitely a day-one special teamer and, like, a, a really good one. And to be honest with you, if Dwayne Harris is on this roster, I'm not really sure who's returning kicks for us. So, uh, Kickoffs or punts, huh? Hmm. I don't I – don't, why – I mean, we, we signed guys off the street last year to do it. Khalif Raymond, yeah. et cetera. I, well, at the end really of the year, it was, it was such a sh- – and also, I, we don't want Beckham returning punts either. Oh. Yeah. I mean, he was out there a couple times. 
Yeah, I mean, if you've if you have like a trick play or you want to throw them off and you put them back there or something, or I mean, you know, if it's the playoffs and you need a big time return, well, that's different. Late and, in the fourth it, quarter, like situationally, okay, fine, but yeah, it, then it's balls to the wall and do whatever you have to do to win. So, but yeah, I agree with you. I, the, right now, I mean. There's nobody penciled in there except for maybe Harris and may not even be on the team. So Darius Phillips, another guy to check out for that added value, probably going to fall to the sixth round. But yeah, that's all I've got for corners. Yeah. I, I, again, I think it's something where it's more of a value and more of a need for this team than wide receiver. And mm-hmm. uh, again, I think that's someone if we have more draft picks than we think, you know, as we do in mid-March, you might see us, you know, reach a little bit for one higher than we think yeah yeah giants fans are really excited for the offense to change and get new pieces and address the offensive line don't be surprised how much of the draft is dedicated to this defense absolutely absolutely again you could follow me on twitter at football underscore grump where i will continue to debate what we're doing with the second round pick etc um, and prospects and their strengths and weaknesses as far as I've scouted. So be sure to check me out there. And you can find all the podcast episodes on iTunes and SoundCloud and then further bumped on Twitter at, at Just Giants Pod. And you can catch me as always on Twitter at The Cranky Fan. Discussing all things Giants, all things Florida Gators, all things Tampa Bay Rays, all things New York Knicks. So that sounds like a torture follow, but follow anyway. So... <laughs> And as always, please leave us a five-star review and a rating. We actually got one this week, so glad we're not just talking to ourselves, Grump. So we really, we really appreciate that. Yeah, thank you, Chuck from DC. Um, Thanks, Chuck super appreciated. Um, it means more than you probably realize, and it takes probably five seconds out of your life. But you know, exactly. If if you guys do enjoy hearing this, please five-star review. You know, it goes a long way. Absolutely. All right, as always, let's go Giants. Go Giants.